Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. I've been encouraged here this morning in the songs and the Sunday school and just uh, good fellowship that we've enjoyed here. Praise the Lord for his grace. May his grace uh, bind our hearts to him and encourage us. And uh, As was mentioned in one of the prayers, may God's word meet us at the point of our needs because we all have needs. <clears throat> And God is in the blessing business of wanting to meet our needs. The title of today's message is Joseph Foreshadowing Jesus. I've been reading through the Old Testament. And one thing that has helped me in reading the Bible is to look for Jesus uh, in each, each part of the Bible as you read it. Because uh, Jesus is the central character of the Bible. And even in the Old Testament, we can see glimpses of him, sometimes actually pre-incarnation appearances of Jesus. Like when the three Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace, there was a fourth man in there with them. And the king looked down and said, and that fourth one looks like the son of God. I believe he was the son of God. And so in different, different times, Jesus appeared as a man or as an angel. And there's a lot of different times we can see his shadow across the pages of, of the Old Testament stories. And the story of Joseph is quite an exciting story. It's a long story. It starts in Genesis 30 when he was born, and it ends in Genesis 50, so 20 chapters. They're not all about Joseph because some of those chapters are about his brothers back in Canaan. But I'd like us to think about how we can see Jesus in the life of Joseph. Now, a shadow is not the real thing. A type is not the real material. A type or a mold is, is just a resemblance. A shadow is, is not actually substance, but it's, it's an appearance that looks like the real material. And throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of Hebrews, we have shadows mentioned how uh, the tabernacle in Hebrews 8, the tabernacle and the furniture in the tabernacle, they were an example and a shadow of heavenly things. They represented spiritual things. <clears throat> the law and the sacrifices were a foreshadowing of Jesus, the greatest sacrifice and the only sacrifice that takes away sins. Every animal that was sacrificed in the Old Testament was a picture that pointed forward, uh, that foreshadowed, that were a figure of Jesus. The Old Testament food and drinks were types of Jesus, bread and water of eternal life. The various feasts that they had in the Old Testament foreshadowed various aspects of our salvation the Sabbath rest foreshadowed Jesus, our perfect rest. Colossians 2 said, Let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or in regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance is Jesus. The substance belongs to Christ. So types and shadows are an interesting study. I was a boy um, growing up in Pennsylvania, not too far from a little Bible school, kind of similar to where some of the young people went. And uh, 
I heard as a boy people talking about, yeah, I'm in the types and shadows class. I thought, what is that? Uh, but it's, a, it's an exciting study to uh, study the Old Testament. And as you're reading through the Old Testament to think about, where do we see Jesus in, in these Old Testament stories? Now, the greatest uh, Bible lesson that ever was taught on this thing of types and shadows happened uh, with a class of two students. And they were walking a seven-mile walk these, these two people, they were, it was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose very early in the morning. And then in the afternoon, these two, two people were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And I was just, different times I've thought about, I sure wish I could have been in that, that Bible lesson. It may have lasted two to four hours, depending how fast they walked or how often they stopped for the teacher to explain uh, the uh, the lesson. Luke 24 said, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then they went on to explain how they had high hopes that Jesus would deliver them, but he died. And then Jesus, beginning with Moses, Moses wrote this passage in Genesis, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, all the rest of the Old Testament, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to a village and it was getting toward evening. They said, why don't you come on in? So he came in and he sat at the table with them. He took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they realized it's Jesus. And as soon as they realized that he vanished. And then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures, they were so excited that they turned around and ran back to Jerusalem that night to tell the other disciples that Jesus really is alive. And so maybe some of that teaching was passed on to other, some of the other people. Maybe Stephen, in, in the book of Acts, when he was talking about the Old Testament, he was doing a summary of Joseph. Maybe he incorporated some of Jesus' teaching on that Emmaus Road. I hope in heaven that I'll have the opportunity. I'd like to ask Jesus to do a rerun of that class. I would like to hear how Jesus saw himself throughout the Old Testament. So, but the Holy Spirit is with us here today to teach us. If you're a believer, we as believers, we have the Holy Spirit as our teacher. And so he can guide our thoughts as we look at the life of Joseph foreshadowing Jesus. Jesus also said in John 5, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So the Old Testament scriptures point forward to Jesus. And Joseph certainly is a character who lived a, a beautiful life that uh, 
points us to Jesus in a lot of different ways. I was just, as I was reading these chapters from uh, Genesis 30 to 50, I thought of some of the ways, and since we're not going to have time to read these 20 chapters, we'll just read a few verses here and there. I, I, I jotted a little list of things in Joseph's life that I thought pointed forward to Jesus. We'll, we'll see when we start reading here in 37 that Joseph was loved by his father. Jesus was loved by his father. Joseph was sent on a mission by his father. Joseph witnessed to the truth about the sinfulness around him, which didn't um, gain him any points with his brothers. They, they hated him. Joseph was despised, envied, and hated by his brothers. Joseph prophesied of future glory. He said, down the road, uh, at least in this dream that I had, um, I'm going to be sitting up on, I'm going to be up high and everyone else is going to be bowing down to me. And Jesus prophesied a future glory, didn't he? He said, in the future, you're going to see the Son of Man coming in glory. People didn't like to hear that. Joseph and Jesus, they suffered murderous intentions by their brethren. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph was carried into Egypt. Joseph faithfully served in Potiphar's household. Joseph was victorious over severe temptation to sin. Falsely accused, sent to prison. Finally, he was lifted to the throne and he provided food for starving people. He forgave his brothers. He saved the world. Those were just some of the thoughts that I had as I thought about Joseph's life. Well, let's, let's uh, cut in on uh, chapter 37. Joseph is 17 years old, and he has 11 brothers and one sister. He's the 11th of the 12 boys. He has a younger brother, Benjamin. His mother has died at this point. His mother, Rachel, died giving birth to Benjamin some years earlier. And Jacob and his father Joseph were very close. Let's read Genesis 37. I'll be reading in the New International Version. Jacob lived in the land where his father, Jacob is Joseph's father. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had, born, he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him, a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? They hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. 
This time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering about in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me, where are they grazing their flocks? Now, I did a little geography study on this uh, valley of Hebron and Shechem. And it looks like, at least on the map, um, it's about 80 miles by a straight line. But this is a very mountainous area. And Hebron is way in the the lower part of uh, Palestine. And Shechem is up in an area of Samaria. The way to get there was on a mountainous trail, kind of on top of the ridge. I'm thinking like the Blue Ridge Parkway. Might be kind of, except it wasn't paved. And I don't know how you parents would feel about sending your 17-year-old on a probably a 100-mile journey by foot to check up on the other 10, the 10 older brothers who couldn't say a kind word to this 17-year-old. How long would it take to, to make that trip? Maybe a week, 10 days? I mean, this is more than sending a 17-year-old to California. Well, you take the car, here's an atlas. I think it was a, it was a pretty dangerous and quite, quite a big trip. But Joseph said, I'm willing to go. And so he set out. And when he got to Shechem, he couldn't find his brothers and he couldn't find the sheep. But, but he asked around. They said, oh, the, up at Dothan, which is about 15 miles, another day's journey. And finally he gets there and they see him coming. Let's pick up the story again. Verse 17, they have moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And the story goes on. Reuben, the oldest boy, couldn't bear the thought of of his father missing Joseph. I don't know if he had much love for Joseph, but he had some concern for his father. And he planned to pull him out of this pit uh, and release him. But while he was away, some travelers came through. And Judah, one of the other older brothers, suggested that Rather than kill him, he is our brother. Why don't we just sell him into slavery? So he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And he then went on with these Ishmaelite traders. If he went by the way of the Mediterranean Sea, it was almost 300 miles to Egypt. If they went the spice route, which was east toward Edom, 
it would have been a lot further, maybe twice as far. Just depends which route they took. So here is Joseph in the pit without his coat. I don't know how the weather was at that time. Uh, the weather can get down in the 40s, some in this area, sometimes lower depending on the, on the elevation. But he didn't have his coat. And uh, I was thinking about Joseph this week. We were helping Diane's sister move. And it was not a bad move at all. She had a one-bedroom apartment. The Lord really blessed in many, many ways. The deacon from her church rallied a couple strong, muscular fellows. And she only had a few pieces of furniture that really were heavy. And it went really smoothly. But, you know, Joseph's move, he didn't even really move with all the clothes on his back. He didn't have his coat. He was maybe a month or two months later sold into slavery. He didn't know the language of Egypt. And I was thinking how Joseph is such an example and such a foreshadowing of Jesus in his faithfulness and suffering. He knew going to check on his brothers was going to be a tough thing. Just like Jesus, I'm sure in heaven, he knew what lay ahead, and yet he chose. He was willing to go. And the suffering didn't stop after he was sold into slavery. He, he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. You all know the story. He was working as a slave faithfully, and God blessed him. The Lord was with him. And so he eventually became manager of this Potiphar's household. But Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, and Joseph was faithful in temptation, even though he knew this could cost him his job. And Christian today, sometimes we face questions. Well, am I going to be faithful to God in this? Well, if I do that, if I say this or I don't say that, or I do this or don't do that, or if I do the... The in income taxes, they're coming up here soon. How shall I do this? Shall we be faithful? If This is going to cost us. Well, Joseph could have thought, this could cost me my job if I don't listen to what this lady is asking. And it went on day after day. She kept harassing him. And finally, it came to a breaking point, and he did lose his job. He not only lost his job, he lost his freedom. And for slaves... Back in that time, it was either probably life in prison or your head on the chopping block. Well, he got what looked like life in prison. But in prison, the Lord was with him. If you read this, the, uh, the text again and again, it says the Lord was with him. Just as the spirit of the Lord was on Jesus through all his suffering, all the false accusations he faced. And for each of us as Christians today, the Lord is with us. That's a, a strong promise. And we can be faithful in suffering, even as Joseph was, even as Jesus was. Jesus was that true and faithful witness. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And Jesus spoke the truth about himself and about sin and about the Heavenly Father Stephen, that first Christian martyr, he spoke the truth. And when he had an opportunity to defend himself before he was stoned to death, he summarized the Old Testament 
And when he got to uh, the part about Joseph's family, he said, So Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the, uh, and the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. So Joseph is now in jail, and um, a few of us get to go into the Amherst jail to have Bible studies. And it's interesting, as we have our Bible studies, to hear the praise and the encouragement, and sometimes the uh, inmates in the class, when it comes to prayer time, they'll say, let's thank the Lord for the, for the food and for the, uh, let's pray for the, the uh, authorities here. Let's just pray that God's will would be done. That doesn't happen real often, but occasionally that comes through. And I picture Joseph was that kind of guy. He was thankful for the food, even though it was very poor. He was thankful for the allotment of clothing, which was probably really awful. And he had an attitude of faithfulness, of thankfulness. And the jailers noticed it and said, Joseph, what's going on? And little by little, Joseph actually became the supervisor of the jail. It was amazing. Joseph had this connection with God. God was with him. And so when the butler and the baker each had dreams, they asked Joseph, can you help us with these dreams? And Joseph, with God's help, interpreted their dreams, and, and they were exactly accurate. One of them um, was executed. The other one was set free, not only set free, but he went back to the king's palace to, to serve the king. And Joseph asked him, when you get back, could you put in a word for me so that I wouldn't die here, that I could have freedom? And the fellow said, I sure will. But two years went by and it slipped his mind till one day the king had a dream. It was a very troubling dream. Actually, he had two parts to his dream. One was the seven thin cows, which, I'm sorry, the seven fat cows were followed by seven thin cows, and the um, healthy cows disappeared. It was very troubling. They just disappeared, and all that was left was these dying, seven dying cows. And then the next dream he had was seven stalks of corn with many ears, just a great crop. It just looked wonderful, but it was followed immediately by these seven scrawny stalks of corn that had no, no ears, and the big ears just kind of disappeared, and all that was left was seven stalks. And it was really troubling, and it was very real. And he asked for interpretation, and all the wise people, the sorcerers and the magicians and the Egyptians weren't worshipers of the one true God. They had various gods of fish and the Nile River and many different gods. So all the leading interpreters of wisdom came before him. And none of, none of them could give the answer. But then the man standing nearby, was this the uh, butler, right? The butler dot was saved and the baker was executed, if I'm remembering the, the details. All of a sudden, something clicked in his head. Ah, I wonder if that fellow Joseph, that unusual prisoner, I wonder if he's still alive. 
And so he <clears throat> cleared his throat and uh, talked to the king and said, you know, I'm remembering my sins and how I was in prison. There was a man in prison that interpreted dreams exactly right. Wonder if we could check with him. And sure enough, Joseph went from that day from the prison to the palace. And the king pulled out his credit card and his checkbook, and he set him as ruler in the land. He said, I'm, I'm king, but you're right under me, and you can have my, it was a signet ring, which was like a stamp. This country is yours. You're in charge to save us from the famine, the seven years of famine that would follow the seven years of plenty. So Joseph continued close to God, faithfully serving. And by and by, you know the story, the brothers came to him because they were starving. This famine wasn't just in Egypt, it was over the whole world. And so the first major point I have in thinking about Joseph foreshadowing Jesus was faithful in suffering. But the next point is Joseph was a foreshadowing of Jesus in forgiveness. These brothers came, <clears throat> they took food back, and they came back again. And while, while they were back there with their dad, their dad said, you boys need to go back and get some food again. They said, well, we can unless Benjamin goes along, Joseph's younger brother. Because the man told us, your younger brother has got to come along if you're going to come back for next time when you come for food. And Jacob said, oh, you must have misunderstood him. I can't lose Benjamin. Joseph's dead, eaten by wild beasts. That was the story, that was the lie that the older brothers had, had given him, and I cannot lose Benjamin. But hunger is a powerful thing, and day after day, as it looked like they were going to die, and it's a long road, 200 miles or more from Hebron to Egypt, finally he gave him permission to go, and it was after Judah promised, if anything happens to the boy, I will stand in between. I will give my life for Benjamin so that uh, Benjamin will get back. <clears throat> I promise it all my life. And Jude, I believe, meant it. I believe there was a change of heart that, had, that was taking place in these older brothers, maybe in the two years of famine. Their conscience was still bothering them. Their father... Uh, worshiped God. Jacob was in touch with God. And his life and his, his witness, I think, was speaking to him. And so <clears throat> they met Joseph, and Joseph tested them. And Joseph figured out, I believe, in his tests, he used some unusual tests. Uh, but he figured out that in their hearts, they did care about their dad, and they cared about Benjamin. And this was a change of heart. And Joseph was able in, to forgive them. Let's, let's look at Genesis 25, if you'll page ahead. When he revealed himself to his brothers, he didn't just hug and cry with his brother Benjamin, but he did with every one of his brothers. This is a very tender scene. Genesis 45. And Joseph 
could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. I'm in Genesis 45, verse 3. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me a lord of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. And then dropping down to 14, then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. This to me is a, a, a scene of forgiveness, of reaching out, to his brothers and letting him know that he does not hold all this evil that they did against him. He cried for help when he was down in the pit. And the reason we know that is the brothers were talking about it. They didn't, they didn't realize that Joseph knew their Hebrew language. Joseph spoke the Egyptian language by this time and he spoke to them through an interpreter. So they would chit chat together about uh, about their uh, memories and that all these bad things were happening because of what they did. I had jotted the verse down. It's uh, where they said, we heard him pleading for us for his life. So I'm imagining as Joseph was down in that pit, he was calling out, Judah! Have mercy on me. Simeon. Levi. Maybe he called their names one at a time. He pleaded with them. But they didn't listen. And now he has a chance to get back at them. And the human thing and the natural thing is to pay back, isn't it? To render justice. But instead, he forgave them. And if we... Scoot on a few years, a number of years actually. Jacob, their father, died. And all the family, all the boys at least, took Jacob's bones all the way back to be buried beside Abraham and Isaac. Long trip. They had a lot of time together. They got back to Egypt, and these boys still hadn't forgiven themselves. And they, they decided that probably now that dad's dead, Joseph's going to, he's going to pay us back. He's going to give us justice for what we did to him. But in Genesis 50, we have another beautiful scene 
And Joseph is again weeping. He's weeping, I think, because his brothers still didn't really understand forgiveness. Genesis 15, Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left us instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs that they committed in treating you so badly. Please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. I wonder if Jacob actually gave him that message. I think he didn't, but it doesn't really say. I think they were so scared that they were still trying to take care of themselves, which is a normal human thing for us to do, isn't it? Try to take care of ourselves. When their message came to Joseph, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. That remind you of his dreams? This isn't the first time they bowed down before him, is it? But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I think this is a beautiful foreshadowing of Jesus. Who, when he was dying on the cross, prayed for those who were killing him. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. It's been, it's been asked, who was he actually praying for? Was it the soldiers striving the nails? Was it the chief priests that sentenced him to death? I think it was for all of them and for all of us. Because it was our sins that were laid on Jesus. That's why he gave his life. We all needed forgiveness. So the story of Joseph is a great story to remind us of forgiveness. The forgiveness that we each need from God. And also it's a reminder of the forgiveness that we need to give to others. Because we've all been hurt. I see Joseph living with a forgiving attitude when he was in the prison, when he was in the palace, I think even as a 17-year-old boy, he was learning to live with a forgiving attitude. So, Joseph is an example to us and a foreshadowing of Christ in faithfulness and suffering and forgiveness toward his enemies. And last of all, I lifted out fruitfulness. And I got this from uh, Jacob, Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He pronounced a blessing 
And he did a little summary on Joseph. And he talked about how Joseph was so fruitful. And this is one chapter back. If you're in Genesis 50, uh, just reverse a page or two to Genesis 49. This is very soon before Jacob died. He was sick. He knew he was going to die. And he summarized the 12 boys. Some of it was really some pretty tough words to hear. But for Joseph, in verse 22... It's a beautiful picture of fruitfulness. And certainly, Joseph's life was a very fruitful life, touching many people, all the people of the world, and saving their lives. And, and so was Jesus as he died on the cross and rose again and now interceding. His sacrifice and resurrection is able to be fruitful in the lives of everyone that's ever been born and ever will be born. So look at this fruitful uh, passage Genesis 49:22 Jacob says Joseph is a fruitful bow even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him but his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob from thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors or ancestors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. So Joseph foreshadowed Jesus in this area of fruitfulness. Jesus was just everything that we need. He was and he is everything we need. And even as in the Old Testament times, these people were starving and physically they had to get to Joseph and they had to get to his warehouses and his cities that were built where all this grain was. So we, in a spiritual sense, we need to get to Jesus. We need to get the spiritual life, the bread of life, Jesus, the water of life, Jesus, forgiveness through Jesus. I imagine uh, Jacob and his boys were talking. We need to go to Egypt. We need to go get food or we're going to die. They didn't realize they were going to Joseph. And many people today don't realize that the thing they're searching for is really Jesus and salvation. And we have an opportunity to point them to Jesus. We have an obligation. Jesus is a source of every blessing in the natural and physical realm. He's fruitful. He's the creator, the sustainer of heaven and earth. And in the spiritual realm, as we studied some of us in our Sunday school lesson, he's the source of every spiritual blessing, past, present, and future. Every good gift comes from God through Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and his present intercession is fruitful to save all who come to him for salvation. We are in a spiritual famine without Jesus. We will die without him. 
cut off from life because of our sins. Jesus is that bread of life. Samuel Kaufman wrote a worship hymn called In Thy Holy Place We Bow, and he mentions Jesus as the bread our souls to satisfy. The only thing that really will satisfy us in our souls is Jesus. And we receive him by faith. Some more lines from that hymn say, Faith, believing, and receiving. Grace from him whom we adore. Here abiding and confiding, we shall never want nor die. So in summary, God was with Joseph and helped him truly succeed. Jesus' mercy and grace provides us with the same opportunity. We can be faithful in suffering, in temptation. We can live with a forgiving attitude toward others. And because of him and abiding in him, the vine, we can live a fruitful life that will bless others. Let's praise him together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to come to this sin-cursed earth and to give his life for us. Thank you for the opportunity that we can be forgiven and we can serve you. We can be adopted into your family. I pray that this Old Testament story of Joseph would come alive in our lives today and that uh, each person here, each of us could uh, be encouraged in our lives. We come here with many needs. I pray if any are here who have never trusted in Jesus, who are lost outside of him, I pray that today would be a day of decision for them, that you would help them come to faith in Christ, to reach out and acknowledge that they are a sinner and that Jesus and his death, his resurrection, provides the salvation for them. I pray that you would encourage each of us who are believers that we would see the great storehouses of grace and blessings that you have in Jesus. That, you'll re that we'll realize that the credit card of heaven has been given to us. And many times we don't have because we don't ask. So we come hungry and thirsty and asking for your blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>